Genghis Khan, a name synonymous with barbaric cruelty and conquest. 800 years ago, he created the greatest army the world has ever known, wielding it with tactical brilliance to lay claim to the largest empire in world history. No other man, not even Napoleon or even Hitler, came close to the level of success and conquest. Today, we discuss the life of Genghis Khan. You're listening to Casual History. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, <laughs> What's going on? You like Jake? that? You like that? Welcome back. I did like that. that it was just a little energy, a little pep. Yeah, gets little, us off to a good start. Of course, you got a got a kickstart. This is the epic man. This is an epic man. <laughs> well, For, controversial man. But off of that first line, I'm excited just because it's it sounded very epic. That was really good. Thanks. I like it. <laughs> it was a pretty dramatic intro. Yeah, was it? <laughs> I like that though. I like yeah. those kind of dramatic it's, intros. How's your week been? It's it's been going. It's been going. Yeah, uh, yeah. Lots of stresses, but uh, it's good now. Good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in a good place. Uh, I like the last five minute history. Um, Thanks, man. I thought it was appropriate. Yeah, it was good. Uh, even I was even looking back at our. Um, I listened through. I always do that every periodically. Like periodically, I'll go back and listen to a few oh, just did to kind of test out like. From a different perspective. Oh, which ones did you listen to? That's the real um, Submarine, a piece of that one. And okay. then um, the other five-minute history one about the World War Two plot. Not ah. plot, the... Um, shoot. The one you did. <laughs> yeah, the one I did. Yeah, it was yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that one. Do you just like listening to your voice? Is that no, I just... I try to like... Uh, I try not to analyze, but I go back and just... Listen? Listen sometimes. Yeah. Let's see where you can prove. You have to. Yeah. And that's... It's like watching tape. Yeah, a little bit. Com- yeah. Coming into this one especially, like okay. how to project myself or how to um, well, <laughs> present perfect. myself. Well, yeah. Me and the audience will be grading you very harshly on this. So, awesome. Uh, <laughs> now that you said that. You can see the photos I pulled up, can't you? I can. And they look like um, a drawing I could do, to be perfectly honest with you. Well, I'd like to see you draw I could. I could draw this. that. <laughs> I could draw that. <laughs> could you do it from like if you drew me could you drew me in this type of style so what for those Ooh, who are listening we're looking at um a drawing a right? drawing of genghis khan that is i think the closest um representation or drawing ever really t- that we have of him um it's in his later years his gray beard yeah we'll attach it to our twitter and facebook he's got my on. mustache it's just white mm-hmm. he's got that pepper mustache Dude's got wise eyes. He looks like he could tell you something. I do. I mean, we can kind of get into a small fact about this, just going off this photo. For those who don't know, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or um, Facebook at Casual X History. We try to post like what we're looking at right now. We're going to post this when we post our podcast. Yeah. So you can kind of follow along if you're not already seeing this. But um, so this depiction of Genghis Khan is um, the closest we have, like I said. But there's a funny uh, twist of um, descriptions. So there's another account for people that, from people that have actually lived with them, like seen them years over years. Sure. That claimed blue eyes or green eyes, like blue bluish green eyes, reddish hair, um, mm. and uh, 
Yeah, so that was so, kind of a different characteristic. He definitely was um, Asian. Like he, that was definitely his um, right. skin tone. Like all that was there, but I think it was. Uh, I don't know. There, there was a couple. Because that's not typical traits from that area. I obviously. guess not. I don't. I'm not really. Again, I'm not up on it. Me neither. That's but what I'm, I'm um, interested. So maybe I sound ignorant, but that was a, a conflicting report from some of the photos I've seen. Oh. Of course, of. Um, but we only have really one. And this is the one. That's it? I mean, That's the closest one? Closest one as in, uh, I think it was the closest to his, him actually being alive. Oh. This is drawn like close to that period of time. Okay. So everything else after that, I think has been from uh, hearsay from or... Yeah, or you just kind drawn of drawn... from a little bit of propaganda, right? There's got to be lots of propaganda pictures of him looking like a monster. Probably. Yeah. That, I mean, there's so many articles and... YouTube videos. I mean, you hear the name Genghis Khan and an image Genghis comes to your mind. Khan's. Genghis Khan. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and, uh, that you were to say King Kong. <laughs> King Kong. And, uh, yeah. No, but an image immediately comes to your mind, right? Like it does for yeah. me. Immediately is like some huge seven foot dude who's a monster, like the most terrifying eyes you've ever seen. Like that's, that's the image you create. But of course, that, that has to be, he has to be a real human person. There's no way that he was that. Well, we're going to get into that. So what I thought would be interesting, um, it just kind of go through his life and uh, then f- try to give some information and background on how he became who he is. Yeah. Tell me how he ruled the world. Yeah. So in how the, do you do it? In the early days. So like, um, let's start here. So what we know of the early life of Genghis Khan comes from an account called um, The Secret History of the Mongols. Yes. Um, it was written soon after he died. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also just a point of note. This was written after. After he died. Right. Right. So, um, because... Uh, at by people po- that like knew him, right? Supposedly knew him, right? Uh, well, I think it was, it's an anonymous. Oh, you don't really okay. know, but we do know that at certain the majority period of time that he was alive, they didn't have a written language until they conquered a certain um, another <laughs> conquered uh, sure <laughs> like another tribe or people. I can't remember who it was. Where they learned it from written, them, right? Basically, kind of like melded in. Um, ah. But again, it was written soon after he died, and in this, it states that Genghis uh, was born in the steppes steps of central asia around 1165 it's again mm-hmm. kind of an estimate give sure. or take some years um and it was said he was born with a clot of blood in his hand which was to be an omen for things to come wait what that's cool <laughs> that that sounds like propaganda but i will go with yeah. it because that sounds crazy well this is also so he is also said to have been of divine origin oh, uh, his yeah. first ancestor having been a gray wolf uh. and this is in quotes um Born with a destiny from heaven on high. It says, Genghis was born into a harsh and unforgiving world. So, it's mm. kind of uh, interesting. Again, uh, <laughs> the legend. More yeah. of the legend than the man. Yeah. Um, but we're going to get into the man. <laughs> right. So, I'm going to get into kind of where he was born. I'm just going to kind of go from there. So, the landscape was a vast and rugged place. It was situated between Europe and China. Mm-hmm. Um, it consisted of an inhospitable Rolling hills, rocky outcrops, and freezing temperatures. It's really just a harsh place. Right. Um, the Chinese referred to this region as the barbarian wilderness mm. and built a great wall <laughs> to keep out the Mongols. <laughs> oh, yeah? Specifically. That was like part of the main reason oh, of my the gosh. building I, of the Great Wall. I, I know, know a little that. bit uh, from doing my own research. I almost did the subject like a week or two back. Yeah. And so there's a really funny point that I'm sure you're going to hit. So I'm going to leave that Maybe? for you. Okay. Well, if not, please uh, about the up. Great Wall in specifics. I don't have much about the Great Wall outside of I, uh, this little footnote I have in here that the Great Wall took almost 2,000 years to complete. Yes. Okay. So, well, 
Go go for it. If you have a little footnote, man, oh, this gosh. is nice. Go I mean, gosh, you put me on the spot. On, I want to be accurate. Well, then think about it, and we can come back to it. Okay, okay. Um, so for the Mongols, strength was found in numbers at this mm-hmm. time, right? So large families were encouraged with polygamy being an accepted custom. Um, and Genghis's father had two wives. His mother had been abducted from her previous hub- husband in another tribe. And as a boy, he grew up with three brothers, a sister, and two half-brothers. Okay. Um, his early years spent hunting and riding uh, the open plains. <laughs> and as part of the nomadic society, his clan was constantly on the move, seeking new pastures whenever the grazing for the sheep were exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's reported to have grown up as a brave and defiant young man, his only fear being dogs. thought that was a funny little... That is an interesting little... Um, little footnote there. Hmm. Um <laughs> Does so, yeah, that come back later? It doesn't. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but a good, uh, it's just interesting, you know, he's human. He's afraid of dogs. If I was writing his story, that would definitely make that come back later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was an introvert, known to be an introvert, who spent the bulk of his time um, alone with his thoughts, um, fiercely independent, and seeing little value in consultation with others. Mm. And as he grew into his teenage years, it was apparent to those around him he had a sense of his own destiny. And that destiny lay far beyond the clan um, that was, at the time, all he knew. Mm. So, as was the custom, at around nine years old, um, it's said that Genghis's uh, parents arranged a marriage for their son. Um, and his wife-to-be was named Berta, who was from a neighboring tribe. Mm-hmm. Okay, So, Genghis was to be transferred to that camp so he could grow up alongside his bride. And on the return trip from delivering his son Genghis... Um, his father met a party of Tatars on their way to a hunting expedition. Right. Um, and at this point, so I guess there's some, again, there's some friction there. All these clans were always kind of fighting. Of course. Um, and they seemed hospitable, though, at first, offering him food and drinks, um, except the food and drinks were filled with poison. Um, and three days later, his father died. Right. Oh, so wow. uh, f- he was fatherless at the age of nine okay um but when that happened kind of major shift happened for his whole family sure um so genghis soon had returned basically to his family because at that point he was the head out like he was kind of the man of the household type thing right um, at nine years old yeah and and <laughs> and they were abandoned by the rest of the clan um due to a di- certain factors and uh the customs and kind of culture where they kind of seemed like dead weight Mm-hmm. At that point, um, and his father used to be a pretty prominent, I think, figure head. Um, and so once that happened, they kind of got, they were abandoned. Um, and his mother assumed the mantle, really, of headship. And there was always constant friction between the three sons of this, at this time, um, and two stepbrothers, because it was always like, uh, Who's the man? Yeah, that kind of thing. Leading our you family. don't have a father. It kind of, you kind of grow up harsh, already okay. in a harsh environment. Um, but this was a, I want to put in this little, um, funny not funny story but little tidbit about him that kind of almost sums up his early childhood so um he was 13 years old this is a story about genghis when he was 13 years old um he was fishing with one of his stepbrothers and when he caught a fish and one of his stepbrothers comes up and took it from him right like this kind of got in a tussle was like no that's mine without hesitation genghis took his bow and killed the boy shot him shot his brother and killed him oh yeah. <laughs> oh. So that was kind of the first display mm. of the ruthlessness that would come to characterize 
right this young guy no hesitation kid. his real name isn't genghis by the way yes um i wish i i should have wrote that down that's such a big point of reference but maybe mm-hmm. uh, i can google it and put that on but his i just say genghis because that's what we're talking about so yeah that's kind of a wow little footnote there intense um, an intense guy 13 you're already moody <laughs> you're already moody you're already going through mood swings you know puberty's you, happening your father died yeah like my god but if, if if I was able to, <laughs> you're no longer living with your bride to be. You know, you no longer like you, meet, right. you get shifted out of that world. It's just thing. weird to think like, <laughs> yeah. I, I obviously put it in like joking terms in like modern day. Yeah, just like because I know wh- what I was like at 13. Yeah, <laughs> can't control my emotions for shit. And then I can only imagine you're able to have a bow in your hand probably every day. He has a bow in his hand. He, he has had to survive. Yeah, right. It's like a completely different world. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of different, um, I don't know the word for this, different scenarios that w- definitely wouldn't happen here. Oh, yeah. During teenage, even though there's situations now with teenagers and the excessive, uh, ex- excess of just things we have now. Sure. It's different, but yeah, like you said, if, if, I, if I was 13 and I, I used a, a bow every single day, like what was the last Some time? Some kids still do that a lot, but it's definitely a different world where yeah, for you're sure. a thirteen year old figuring out your emotions and you're kind of uh also those the how to fish isn't yourself. like he isn't fishing for fun. No. So him taking the fish is like you're you're, you're saying I'm not gonna eat. You're threatening my livelihood. Right. So that's a completely different thing. Even if it is your brother, that's that's messed up, but he shot him. He's dead. Jesus. He killed his stepbrother. So um it wow. wasn't one of his real like blood brothers, but it's still the family. Still. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine. Um, and so by the age of the 15... The other brothers were like, fair. I don't know. I, like, well, how did they handle it? I have no clue. Again, I think... I don't know what's... Again, this book doesn't probably elaborate on any of it, right? Like, right. this is written after his death. Who knows? Um, but yeah. That's I'm just, sure there's I, drama. There's got to be drama there. Oh, yeah. Like like you said, that there was tension just for, like, who's the head of the household? Who's running the place? Who's making the decisions? Now that dad's gone, I'm the oldest. I should be in charge. No, I should be in charge. It yeah. makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to skip ahead. So by the age of 15, so okay. two years later, roughly, um, Genghis was stronger, bigger, and more skillful skillful at horsemanship and uh, a, basically a handful of different things than all of his brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, his brothers began to bow to him, really, kind of as a natural leader, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, started to follow in... Um, you know, follow his lead. I see. Um, and his reputation as a strong warrior soon began to spread. Um, and the clan that deserted his family when their father died uh, started to hear about this, of this young upstart, mm. right? Fearing that he might lead his brothers against him. Right. Against them. Um, and so they decided to take an initiative by invading the family's encampment. Oh, my God. And taking Genghis captive. Um, but... <laughs> Genghis, of course, was able to escape. So the invaders fanned out in the wilderness, and nine days later, they found him. Mm. And he was taken prisoner. So this is kind of, again, I like going through this where there's a little bit of story here where yeah. you can kind of, this, it all represents, okay, this is all yeah. building up to... <laughs> this man's a badass. Yeah. Is a so, so they put him in Probably a, did terrible things, but a badass. Oh, yeah, no, horrible. I'm horrible. sure he was a terrible person yeah. in general. So they put him in a yoke. Um, and a yoke, I, again, I wanted to put yeah, up a picture. That? So it's, you know, like one of those oh. wooden boards where you stick your head through. And I didn't you know that's trapped. what it was called. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they put him in a yoke. Like right? barricade. Yeah. Like I, little, think, I think medieval. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Um, and a couple of days later, right? So 
he kind of became liked around the camp. So I've heard different, I read different things really where the encampment kind of started to like like the boy mm-hmm. type thing. Um, but a couple of days later, while being guarded, right, he had a guard outside of his tent and he still had a yoke on. Okay. So think about this. Okay. Yeah. Um, the captors threw a celebratory party, like this is days later. Um, and despite the inconvenience of the yoke, he was able to overpower his guard. Um, and he Wait. got out to the river before his disappearance was even discovered. But unable to cross the river with the yoke, he returned to the tent where he came from. There, he told the guard that he overpowered and basically beat that if he did not release him from the yoke and give him a horse, that he would tell the clan he helped him escape. Oh, and no. so the blackmail worked and he w- was able to escape his captors. <laughs> Imagine getting up to the water and be like, I gotta go back. I gotta go back. <laughs> I gotta get the keys and get this thing off. Yeah, me. yeah. It's like it's going to your car and forgetting your keys, and you're just like, <sighs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But he, wow. he blackmailed the guy, and it worked the guard, and somehow he got it off him, and he wow. rode free. Wow. Um, so a year later, at the age of 16, Genghis returns to the village where. Um, Berta, the girl, or wait, Bitter, wait, 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 the girl. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, sorry. I'm, I don't mean to stop you. Go for it. I, I didn't even take into account how old he was when oh, he did 15. this. I immediately thought, he's a grown-ass man. He took out a guard that was a grown-ass man. This guard no. was definitely not a child. No. Right? No. <laughs> like, I no. mean, so at 15, he took out an adult. With a yoke while... <laughs> Oh, my God. With a yoke. All right, all right, continue. I'm, I'm going to keep saying the word yoke because it's kind of funny. Yoke. Um... So a year later, at 16, Genghis thinks he's, you know, strong enough to be able to um, take care of a wife, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he returns to the village where Bitter or Berta, I keep saying either or, but you don't know who I'm talking about. The girl yes. he was supposed to marry lived. Um, they did get married. And as a wedding gift, the father in, uh, in lay gave him, father-in-law gave him this really nice coat. It's, it's it has a name to it. Um but gave him this really nice coat. Okay, that's the way to think of it. Okay. He then took her back to his family's encampment to be with his mother. Um, and then he rode to a neighboring clan and presented the coat as a gift to the chief named Tog- Togrul. Um, so in doing so, he was kind of purchasing the allegiance of this powerful clan leader. So really, he was already looking at like, look, we need allies. Can't be out here in right. the encampment, you know? So yeah. he... Wrote to the other encampment of this other chief, basically, presented the coat as a gift, um, and kind of won over this powerful clan leader. Mm-hmm. Um, but while he was doing so, um, he was, uh, sorry, so while he was doing so, the other encampment raided his, his family again when he was gone. Mm. So in this process, they mm. took his wife um, right. at the time. Um, and I don't think they took his mother, but basically most everyone was signed, but they took his wife. Okay. Right. So that's a pretty big thing. Um, so time to go to war. That's well, what I'm he asked Togrul <laughs> to help him win back the loyalty of the tribesmen. This is at first, right? So loyalty yeah. of the tribesmen who deserted him and his family. And Togrul was sympathetic and a pact was made. Um, and then, but this, so this is what led to that. So news of the alliance soon spread and other clans offered their support. And b- before he knew it, Genghis was able to con call upon a formidable size of warriors um and but before he could put them into action right this is when i just said disaster struck invading murka horsemen struck raiding his family's camp and the majority of the clan was able to escape but genghis's young wife berta was taken captive by the murkas 
Mm. Um, and Ger- Genghis rode to Togrul to help uh, for help, and he agreed that he would ride with him upon the Merkits and destroy them. <laughs> Hell yeah! Returning Berta to her husband, um, and this is the timeline's kind of interesting. So it could be a year or two or mm-hmm. six months. So this is kind of wavy mm-hmm. here. Have a particular but set of skills. Over the following months, this alliance was able to bring together five thousand warriors to ride with them, okay. and the Mongol. Uh, the, the basically they decimated the Merka camp, yeah, killing and pillaging without mercy. Um, and in the midst of the camp, they found Berta. And at this point, she had been heavily assaulted, sexually assaulted, oh, no. and basically, I, again, it's six months to a year or two in. Wow, it's kind of wavy. I don't quite. I've read different reports here, right? Um, and so she was pregnant, um, and basically shortly after returning to camp, she gave birth to a son. But they didn't quite know if it was beforehand, if it was Genghis's son or sure. not. Um, and it was never really known whether it was his son or one of the Merkas. Mm. Um, but in the wake of the overthrow of the Merkas, he went from strength to strength, really. Um, he reunited the clan with the clan of his boyhood friend, Jamuka, which is an important, fig- important figure here. Um, so basically, I think what, he's 17, 18 here. Mm-hmm. Think about that, okay? He's already being tactical getting alliances kind of at this point gaining power gaining power uh friends gaining a clan and people are following right right so it's very like dang like at that young age i can't imagine myself doing that in that kind of world but But again um, it's it's a totally different world he had to be a he had to be a adult at nine years old yeah which is ridiculous to ask of any kid but in that harsh of an environment you know what i mean who knows mentally where he was at at 17, 18, comparatively to now, right? Like, you didn't have to be that at nine years old. So I can only imagine yeah. that he was ready. Like, you know, 15, 16, he was already doing it. Yeah. He was already at that point where he felt like he was an adult. And I also think that time of living, like, mm-hmm. you just had to be, like, sharper. Oh, and yeah. In my, and from at least looking back, it seems that way. Sure. You just had to be a sharper human being, especially in the place where he was born in the world like i said it kind of described the landscape he was around and the lifestyle right you grow up a little bit harder you know what i mean oh, a little yeah, bit sharper sure. so yeah i do i do think it's funny to compare um like mindsets yeah yeah mindsets of uh people yeah and he just had obviously had a, a way to a way about him pushing forward for more for sure um so after I just so he did reunite with the clan of his boyhood friend Jamuka, right? Um, and this is where it gets kind of interesting here. So the two men became inseparable and declared themselves br- blood brothers. They lived together, ate together, and even slept together. Mm. Um, and this made his mother and wife jealous um, mm. at points. Yeah. So in which they begin to spread rumors about Jamuka in an attempt to drive the men apart. Um, and whether it was the rumors or uh, some other reason, he <laughs> severed the bond with Jamuka. And in 11, 18, 1185 is what the um, timeline is here. Okay. And so the two clans, so basically he had his own kind of clan, Jamuka did. Mm-hmm. And at this point, of course, um, Genghis had his own little clan, kind of little group of people. And the two clans were moving right because you always had to be on the move for grazing grounds and at this point they were moving towards fertile grazing grounds when jamuka decided to turn off and encamp in a valley saying okay let's stop let's whatever let's go right. this way um 
and at this point he called Genghis to join him, but Genghis ignored him and kept on riding. And while he kept riding, he turned back to seek, and he turned back to see, not only did his own men follow him, but majority of Jamuka's men also followed him. Again, this man obviously had something, right? People are following him. And he was developing at this point the largest following of any of the Mongol clans. Mm. So, um, which arrived partly as security in numbers, right? And then partly by cohesion, um, lived a better life, especially in the, the way they were living. So those who didn't did not agree to give Genghis their religion were often forced to do so, and the desire for more power and wealth, as well as the need to feed this growing following, led to tons of raids on other clans during this time. Right, um, which just gained more and more. Yeah, and yeah. It can, it's a snowball, a little bit of a snowball. You have for to sure. feed more people, but yet you like you're always yeah. on the move, so you kind of have to keep taking and pillaging, and like to get to feed your people to get you know kind of mm-hmm. everybody on the. Uh, on a good path, I guess, to keep your clan strong. Um, so this is what the secret history of the Mongols attributes to Genghis. Uh, so this is in quotes here. The greatest pleasure is to vanquish your enemies and chase them before you, to rob them of their wealth and see those dear to them bathed in tears, to ride their horses and clasp to your bosom their wives and daughters. <laughs> a sick man. But that, so you see what I'm saying? When yeah, but that doesn't mean places, you have to like it. Well, he liked it. Obviously, and obviously it was a thing he fit. Yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, man was a little bit of a psychopath. Yeah. Uh, well, a little bit. How do I, I mean, it, it is the truth. I mean, like, the man yeah. liked pain. He liked to inflict pain on others. Like, this this man. Well, the thing is, there's, again, I've read different things where he wasn't really. Like, you'll see in a lot of the story that's coming up, some of it feels, in his mind, it felt had to be necessity. Mm. Right. So there was, of course, a lust for power. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of the situations, which, again, we'll get into, like, there's more here. There's a lot here, actually. Um, we're, we'll probably go over an hour, but that's fine by me if that's cool mm. with you. Yeah, I'm cool. Um, but there's a lot of situations where it feels and it reads as necessity in his mind or just kind of like, well, I had to, this, well, he disrespected, this, I couldn't let this happen, so I had to do this. Right. Like, I had to. Option one didn't work, so I had to do number two right. type thing. Um, not to say that I definitely think he was a bloodthirsty kind of right. mindset. I, th- I just think well, that a- that quote, if that is a real yeah. quote, <laughs> yeah, if that's a real quote, again, that kind of speaks to a person's mindset for sure. Yeah, and that's not a healthy person's mindset. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. No, um, so. but now at this point, Genghis is still in his early twenties. Think about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's proved himself to be a brilliant at psychological warfare. So this is a little description of that. So he'd attack a tribe with horrific and devastating force, like one tribe, in order to intimidate the surrounding camps to give out without to give up without a fight. Sure. So as a result, many thousands of his enemies simply surrendered in order to avoid the carnage that would result if they resisted. Right. And we've seen this. We've talked about this before. Yeah, like, this with, is a uh, tactic that other people have done. Who, who's the pirate we talked about? Blackbeard? Um, Blackbeard, Black right? So he, who's these people yeah. who were like... Who built an enigma around themselves, built almost like a, a brand around themselves mm-hmm. that like... The oh God! Did you hear fear. what happened? Hear what happened to the Johnsons over there? Yeah, <laughs> like, we can't be. We, that. we we don't want to be the Johnsons. No, listen, just give up. Because <laughs> he would. But yeah. the thing is, it's horrible for the. Of course, the whoever he was attacking to to set the example. 
was horrific right and then from then it kind of grew this basis of fear and like power and right so that is a common theme throughout history like that i feel like i've noticed yeah you know powerful people of course will use maybe mainly the people who are dead set on expansion and sure use it through horrific ways some aren't as like uh some will just do it no matter what but this seemed again see in his mind it was like I'm doing this to set an example. Then the rest of the clans kind of follow in without even sure. a fight. And no telling that he probably got followers from these clans mm-hmm. here and there. Yeah, no, it always it always for a better life. Them. Even if they were, yeah, like if you surrender this person and you're like, well, I'd rather join them than be against them, right? Or have them be against me at any way, right? Out of fear, even so. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like I said, many thousands of people just surrendered and avoid to in a in. A bit, what's the word? <laughs> to avoid an the attempt, carnage. Yes. An attempt to avoid the carnage, basically. Um, and now joined his alliance was... Uh, so Genghis set his sights on the barbarian wilderness at this point. Um, one of those who had not yet joined his alliance, right? Because at this point he was subjugating and gaining more power and more right. following, was his former best friend, Jamuka, who is now his mortal enemy. Aha. Um, Good. We need a, We need a heel in this story. I mean, he is the heel, but... Yeah. <laughs> the, the people of the two camps uh, up to this point had been able to keep an uneasy peace, right? Mm. So the Jamuka's camp kind of saw what he was doing. Was they were like, talking well, about his back. Like, this dude... Kind of crazy, but kind of he's not dick. attacking us, so <laughs> whatever. It was kind of yeah. an uneasy peace, right? However, a disagreement over grazing land erupted and violence ensued where a warrior of Genghis's killed one of the Jamuka's killed one from Jamuka's camp. Mm. Um, and Jamuka reacted by attacking the much larger camp of Genghis. And Ooh. it was an unexpected and quick attack led to the killing of many and capture of over 70 Genghis's chi- of, of Genghis's chieftains um, where they were tortured and boiled alive. So harsh conditions, harsh deaths. <laughs> like everything li- was... Yeah. I feel like that's blood. all understatement. <laughs> like, so they were boiled alive. So it was rough. Yeah. <laughs> so times were tough. So times were tough. <laughs> it just sounded uh, very <laughs> like it's. I know. I know. How do you state it? I don't know, man. That's damn. That's fucked up. I yeah. mean, I don't know what else to say. I don't know how else to present that. I know. Other than, well, I just took it really funny. I'm sorry. I like that. It's <laughs> yeah. like so times were rough. So that this was a pivotal point, though. This yeah. was a pivotal, pivotal point in his mindset. So he was shocked, and of course, by the humi- kind of humili- humiliated by the defeat. Um, and he realized his army was not yet ready to wage the large-scale combats he had envisioned. Mm. So he set out to mold them into a war machine. Okay. So this was the pivotal point, point where we get into the next right. Room. And I think we can't this let that happen a, again. Right. But this is the perfect point to take a break. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. We'll be right back. And we're back. Mm-hmm. If there was an ad there. Thank you for listening. That helps support the podcast oh, and yeah. helps us provide more content and better quality content. Isn't That's that right. right? That's right. Better quality than this, right? Yes. Better how quality. far How far out do we go? I don't know. Better mics. We need a studio, Jake. We need a full-on <laughs> studio. Sponsored by Discovery. A person bringing history. me snacks, you know, yeah. just tossing them from afar so I can have them. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're discussing Genghis Khan. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, if you've made it this far, you've probably... Where, where do we leave off, Jeffrey? Where do we leave off? We left off when Chamuka, his mortal enemy that was once his inseparable blood brother, 
They slept together. <laughs> yeah. Again, it kind of alluded to there of may course. have been a thing there. Right. I don't know, though, if that's how that mm. was, but that's how it read. So that's that, another that was layer to Another this. layer, yeah. Um, so at this point, they're blood enemy. They're immortal enemies. Uh, they kind of had a peace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they had a squabble <laughs> between the camps mm-hmm. where violence ensued. Um, one of Jamuka's people got killed. So then Jamuka responded with a swift and deadly attack on the much bigger, right. bigger Genghis Khan's clan. And Genghis Khan was like, no, 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 no. We're never going to let he this happen lost, again. Right, but he lost. Yeah. And he lost 70 of his chieftains, um, like I said, tortured right. and killed. So, but this, mm-hmm. this was the moment I feel this like. This was the time. This was the moment he shifted and he was like, wait, I need to be better than I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, like I said, he was. They, he realized they weren't ready to wage large-scale combats that he was wanting to. So he went Rocky mode and did like a full-on 80s montage. Basically. <laughs> and so he set out to mold them into a war machine, the type of warrior the world had never seen up to this point. Um, the army that he created was incredibly mobile, able to travel an average of 70 miles a day. Wow. And the men were subjected to the most severe discipline in order to forge their minds and bodies into warrior-like steel. So before long, the war- word of their barbarian super army, again, because this is this was a time where everything was split. Yeah. Right? So there was no, like, unified anything, really. Large everything, army. Not right. in their area. Like, everything was right. kind of clans and, che- like, you know, that kind of thing. So the word of this rising young man and the barbarian super army started to spread um, beyond the boundaries of Mongolia and when the ruler of the Qin Empire in China heard about them, he invited Genghis to come help him fight off the marauding bands of Tatars um, who were constantly raiding them, okay. right? So he's like, wait, these guys over here to the right, big arm, better to make army. an ally. Yeah. Than, yeah. Like, and, and also up to this point, too, there was, again, another layer here that where the Qin Empire and the Chinese Empire would constantly be putting their weight between between um different chief di- different clans right mm-hmm. to keep it kind of unsteady and not never really right. coalescing like into a, a unified right. to keep state. them from uh becoming any sort of threat to them right that was kind of their tactic up to this point too sure. um and i think it continues on after he died like he p- dies of course but um that was a good point of note i remember reading i was like mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, 101. Uh, <laughs> keep someone fragmented, 101. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he invited them to basically come help them fight uh, the Tatars, if I'm saying that right. Um, and so the Tatars were also longtime enemies of the Mongols, and Genghis saw this as an opportunity for vengeance while expanding his reach internationally. Hmm. So in short order, this is after they went through this discipline, right? destroyed the tartars and retor- returned basically right. like just Decimated, destroyed yes right? um and returned triumphantly to their home country where their army was immediately attacked by jamuka's forces so jamuka uh, at this point was like gotta that, get these guys coming back right. or he thought maybe there was some sort of weakness maybe they just got back from war well, whatever yeah you gotta this hit them time, while they were off kilter <laughs> this time however genghis was ready in a series of three bloody encounters Jamuka's uh, basically army and clan was destroyed. Jamuka was, however, able to escape, fleeing to the sanctuary of um, the Nemans, who are a powerful tribe um, residing in the northwest region of the steppes. Um, mm-hmm. And then when news reached Genghis that he had joined the Neman, 
So basically, he ran for his life. Sure. Um, that kind of thing happened. To a big clan, right. So at this point, he heard, Genghis hears, oh, he's over here? <laughs> We're so going to attack them, too. He sets his sights on destroying them now. Oh he's my like, all right, God. well. You Wherever s- you go, we will you, hunt we'll you. Fo- we'll follow you. He unleashed 80,000 cavalry against them, totally decimating them. And amazingly, Jamuka was once again able to wiggle his way free oh and escape. Oh, my God, this man. Right. Right. He hid with a small group of mountain dwellers. So again, you keep getting far. And oh far. no, <laughs> these poor innocent like. But here's the thing. elderly people in the mountains. Like, <laughs> sure, we'll take you in. Well, uh, bring in the world's most deadly army to their doorstep. Sure. Ne- well, <laughs> so right, he he joined the mountain dwellers. <laughs> yeah. Um, where, um, fearing the wrath of Genghis. Right. Somebody they point, present him like, here, take him. We don't want him. Wrath of the invaders betrayed Jamuka. Yeah. Handed him over to the camp of Genghis. But Genghis thought this was the lowest of lows of betrayals. He's like, this is just unhonorable. The fact that you turned him in to Exactly. Me? That the fact that you betrayed him. Oh, no. Right? So Genghis, however, <laughs> was appalled at the lack of loyalty to Jamuka. Uh, and had them all sorted. This is what it has, says. Sorted. All sorted. Basically killed anyway yeah. oh um, my god he then offered jamuka a pardon because he kind of felt like this is not right right like, you should have gone out in the blaze of glory with me man or in a war basically whatever like it was a little bit of an, a thing right a he felt thing. like uh it was un- unfair that he was in front of him right now right he, he just got betrayed he liked and the chase this man liked the chase i guess so <laughs> it was and it, it was a goal so he in which the pardon um jamuka refuses of course and begs to be put to death oh Seeing to his wish, Genghis allowed him to be suffocated to death, and despite his reputation as a no-feeling executioner type, mm-hmm. Genghis couldn't watch and looked away and basically wasn't present. He didn't want to be there. Oh, wow. So I still think, again, it's like, you hate the guy, some, something, but you still feel like, yo, I, this is... Was again, that, is that the only instance in your story where he feels for another person like again, that? Again, this is another his, turning point. Yeah. To me, it kind of reads as um, all this information. So the the fact where they split, Jamuka split, right? Mm-hmm. That became another thing where, oh, wait, I have more. These people are following me, right? Mm-hmm. And then when Jamuka attacks him, kind of shows him his weakness and goes, wait a minute. I need to be better here, right? That was another thing. Sure. And then he proves himself, comes back. And then this Jamuka thing is kind of almost like uh, the first end where it, it feels like a turning point into the greater beyond for him. As in, like, this seals off that little chapter. Yeah, I think I think this probably ends uh, his connect, like right, his connection. Like, again, what does Genghis care about at this point, right? If his family, right? Say, like, his Definitely wife, family. all the stuff that happened. His wives. Right, his wives. Um <laughs> And obviously had some sort of special connection with him. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Uh, so this might just be like him going might just be that turning point of like, all right, now I don't care about anybody else. Maybe. <laughs> like it might've been, I, it reads like that was again, the last connection. I've, everything I've listened and read and watched kind of painted it that way. Yeah. I mean, again, this is interpretation, but sure. this is what I'm presenting. And this is the best interpretation I have of it from the information. Um, so, um, yeah, that was a pretty big deal. Okay. Um, and I do want to mention, we did mention the wives thing. This, yep. He does have multiple wives, but Berta, his true one true love, really was his one, his only empress. Really? So, like, everything else was just um, yeah. part of it, like, part of the culture, I guess. Sure. You know, the type of thing. Like, but he, she was still with him type the thing. The one, right. Um, 
So, having defeated the Nymans, um, right, this is after they helped um, the, basically decimate the Nymans, who were also pretty big in the area, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, that was with where Jamuka went initially. Um, Genghis was now the supreme ruler of over 2 million people. So, again, he just keeps conquering all these clans at this point. Right. Nyman, like, everybody just keeps growing Rolling and growing. into his, yeah. So, he was at this point the ruler of over 2 million people. Wow. Um, and now having the taste of power, he wanted more. Uh, and there were still parts of Mongolia not a part of his empire. So along the eastern regions of the country, um, over the series, so over this next series of months, um, he systematically beat into submission those who had not yet come <laughs> under his rule. Right. Um, and Genghis rode at the very front of his hordes of men, by the way. That was like another thing of him. He always rode. He was he, not in the back. He was no, not sending he out rode armies. at the front of his his uh, people. Mm. Again, attributing to his like, yeah, yeah, we're doing this. And so he personally oversaw every detail of the attacks of this um, kind of sweep of consolidating power here. Right. Um, and in twelve oh six, so we're moving along here. Twelve oh six, the people made Genghis. So this is at this point after he kind of did all that. They the people made Genghis their supreme ruler. Bestowing mm-hmm. upon him the title Khan, which means the great leader. Right. Um, and um, as recorded in the secret history of the Mongols, right. um, the people claimed, is a good little quote here, we will make you our leader, our great Khan. We will fling ourselves like lightning upon your foes. We shall give you the fairest girls from the enemy. If we disobey you, take our flocks, our wives, and our children, and throw our worthless heads upon the sand. And throw our worthless heads upon the sand. So that's kind of their like. Wow. Again, this is I don't know what the actual wow. feeling was, but that was the, supposedly the feeling of the people. They this guy was a, yeah. a leader. He consolidated all. They anointed him people. as their, yeah. their leader. Kind of became. He that was guy. probably already their leader for some time, but this yeah. was just kind of like confirmation. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, you're ruling this thing. He officially at this point. Uh, I do have a photo up here. I do want to bring up. Um, well, I'll bring up later. Um, sure. But I showed the, at the very end of his life kind of the overreach of how expansive and how much land and yeah. how like, big of a uh, territory, territory they had under their control at one point, um, which is huge, kind of mind-boggling. Um, so I did. we're going to get into a little bit of his uh, wife's life here. So between military conquests, he gathered more wives, fathered more children um, by his wife, Berta. He had four mm-hmm. sons who were each given rulership over part of his empire. Ah. Um, and despite the wealth, luxury, and family, it's said he was tormented by vivid dreams in which he was continually riding in the conquest of one land and another. And impelled by these dreams and his own ambition, he became fixated on the vast lands that lay beyond the southern border. Ah, so he felt like those dreams were telling him to keep conquering. Yes. He needed these new lands a mix of anointment of like sure. i need this is what i'm doing i need to be doing this i'm supposed to be doing this again a little bit of an ego complex sure sounds like <laughs> <laughs> yeah a little bit um so this was his this begins his conquest abroad right so again we've built the life up kind of consolidated power and now we're conquesting abroad gotcha. there's a lot here so again i'm i'm it's rolling through it so yeah. don't don't be afraid to stop me if no I'm no you're too good much here. No, hopefully you're good. there's some good information people who want to learn um, so in 1206, the same year, um, Genghis called together a summit of his great leaders and chieftains um, to discuss his planned invasion of China. So between Mongolia and China lay the kingdom of Vesiha. This was a key trade route between Central Asia and the, and the West. Um, and Genghis undertook this conquest, which 
within two years would have the entire kingdom of Vasia under his domain. Um, and that, and from then, basically, the way was now open to invade China. So mm. it's kind of the blockade into China at this point. Right. Um, and in an effort to capitalize his dealings with the Qin Empire, right? So he remember he had discussions with sure. him before. Um, Khan sent a peace envoy over the wall. So this is where it gets interesting. Again, what I talk about for him, it felt like, well, that's what I have to do now. So he sent a peace envoy over the wall initially. Mm-hmm. So I think it's said that he wanted to conquer, but we don't quite know if this was it. Again, maybe he wouldn't he's have. Feel, maybe he's feeling it out. Right. He's feeling it out. So he sent a peace envoy over the wall. And the Chin, however, were very suspicious yeah. of these visitors. After hearing um, this two million uh-huh. person just ripping through people and, yeah, like gaining such a following. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure and he would killed. And they killed them. They killed the peace envoy. Oh, no. So, uh, again, uh... <laughs> um, on hearing of this outcome, Genghis went into his tent and supposedly fasted for three days straight. And on emerging, he declared that the heavens said he would be victorious and that the time had come to wreak vengeance on the Chen. So whether this was a ploy, maybe he knew this would happen. Maybe. Who knows? It could have been a tactician move. Right. Like finding a reason to rally yeah, guys, make the people believe this is what they were meant to do, and they were meant for victory. Vengeance was like a heavy thing. We need to, you know, avenge. Avenge our. They just killed our people. Yeah, you know, we were sending peace. You know, <laughs> so now we must do what we must. Right, right. that's, that's it. kind of the. Yeah, we don't have a choice. Listen, guys. Again, another turning point. <laughs> mm-hmm. He had a lot of those, it seems. So, with forty thousand cavalrymen riding behind him, Genghis crossed the border, smashing over the wall and into China. They then swept down upon the Qin Empire, approaching with speed and quiet. So being quiet until almost upon the enemy when the thunderous, uh, this is again kind of a funny little line, but until the thundering of the horses shook the ground and the attacks that followed were overwhelming, crushing their enemies and destroying their encampments. And it was during the Qin campaign that Genghis's ruthlessness really became known and legendary. So... um, he would use captured women and children as human shields in battle, mm. forcing them to march ahead of his army as they approached villages. Wow. Um, and it only took him within two years of first invading China that Genghis had reached the capital of the Qin Empire, oh which is modern-day Beijing. Beijing. Wow. Um, yeah, pretty... Yeah, pretty uh, decisive. There's, there's a lot in there. Again, I, I, like a lot of like sure. tactician, what's he using, how's he doing... So, like you said, the man... Th- is using human shields of women and children yeah. at the front of his army. So the Chin Empire really couldn't, you could, I don't know, you're going to send arrows? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, is that what you're going to do? You're going to kill all these people? So mental yeah. games, all of it was all involved. Um, and probably so, were seen by everybody else as barbarians for sure. Right. Uh, so do you use these tactics? Because, I mean, obviously I'm sure there were a certain decorum. Yeah, I think there was rules of war. Right. You know? Like, there's rules of war. Which, which blows my mind about history in general. There's always that, that was a thing. <laughs> but, like, that that was a thing that it was like, we're honorable. Uh, this is the rules of war. This is how you carry out killing each other. Like, this is how you carry out killing each other. It kept... This uh, is the honorable way of doing it. I there's still, a right way. <laughs> there's. I feel like without that, you do get kind of just... I mean, it's already going to be ruthless, but if people find a way to make it um, not overreaching like i feel like there's always war is war no war is war i'm not saying war isn't like horrible across the board what i'm saying though is that without certain boundaries though it could get worse you know what i mean and if anything you do set boundaries to hopefully 
minimize as much as you can at least maybe like you said like before sure. i think it was world war Two. like it was or world, i think it was before world war Two, and where um planes dropped bombs on a, a city in london that kind of became the first like attack of civilians outright Right. Without without like um, it being a, a a war on uh, army on army type thing, so well, I, I think it yeah. does neg- it does kind of put you in a box. Well, I mean, even when the Americans fought the British in the like uh, the wars, like dude, the British there was a code. Yeah. Like you lined up in a line. This is just what you do. You met on they the picked a time. Yeah. They didn't shoot beforehand. You met the other side. Mm-hmm. You probably met the other person's leader. Well, that go, seems like okay. bad tactics, <laughs> right? That's what, I'm, but that's what I'm saying. Well, but it's interesting, though. They were based in those kind of thoughts. Yeah. But that's what blows my mind about war, because obviously war is war, and people uh, are gonna die. And you think that there are no rules. Yeah. But it's just interesting to think that at one, like a lot of points in history, that people did put rules on them, and people did follow them for a bit. Like yeah. people really did, and like that's what blows my mind about all this stuff is like that. Like I'm sure it was a very different thing. If you saw a, a group at that time breaking those rules, doing things that people deemed as even, like, underhuman, yeah. right? Like, you saw your enemy bring women and children that were yours to the front lines in a battle when you know they're not warriors and they just wouldn't fight you man-to-man. That made them scum. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah. It's, a, it's a different perspective. So no wonder, like, they're barbarians. They'll do anything. That's what made them scary. Yeah. Yeah, it again attributes to I guess is um, the the outline that people paint of them, and sure. kind of that all attributes like there's no way that's not involved. Um, mm-hmm. So after he reaches the the capital, right, which is modern day Beijing, right, um, the great city was surrounded at the time by a great wall and heavily fortified. Yes, um, Khan's army laid siege for nearly a year, and then until finally, with the help of catapults and siege ladders, they were able to breach the walls. Wow. Um, and after that, after the cost of thousands of lives, the city fell. Um, and so that was a pretty big moment. Again, yeah. took over the Chinese Empire. Um, and so after subjugating the Qin Empire, he rode back to the steppe country of his birth. Um, and it wouldn't take long. So again, you think he comes back from war, like they mm-hmm. captured that. And they settled for a bit. It didn't take long before his ambition for more than China would grow. Um, he now looked to his other side at the fringe of Europe. So mm. between China and Europe lie the vast empire of um, Karazima. Um, and this area at the time was ruled by a shah. Remember we talked about this is again, I think this is a funny connection point I had to mention. What? Remember that we talked about the assassins? Yeah. Remember how we talked about the Mongolian empire would eventually come through and sure. like decimate. And that was kind of the end of that period yeah. of time. So this is, this part is the of time. So, the Shah was uh, the area was ruled by a Shah who had power equal to that of the Genghis himself. Oh, um, but Genghis did not seek to subjugate the lands of the Shah. Um, seeking peace, he sent a caravan of envoys. I don't know if this is uh, same. <laughs> ro- you know where we're going. I know where this is going. So, yet just after crossing the border, all of his men were captured and slaughtered. Um, enraging mm. Genghis, he sent another slew of envoys, directing them to go directly to the Shah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they too were killed by Islamic soldiers. So for Genghis, who believed in the absolute inevitability um, and, and viability, so this is something you don't breach. You don't kill a peace envoy. Like, See, that's, even he had rules. But that's what I'm talking about. When it felt like in his mind, whether right. it was on purpose or not, right. he felt like he, well, 
you just broke, I reached out. You broke this. Yeah, this, you spit in my hand. Well, yeah. now it's time. <laughs> so, wow. Um, he again the enviability of the invoice. This was over way too much for him. So the time for vengeance was once again, of course, at hand. Um, what he, time is it? It's vengeance. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were actually asking. <laughs> I was looking at my watch. Um, <laughs> like, what time is it? So pretty sure it's vengeance. Time. He set out ahead of his largest army to date. So two thousand two hundred thousand men. Um, uh, basically was at his back. And wow. after years of savage butchery and attacks were unleashed upon the Muslim people. And when it finally stopped, Genghis had wrangled absolute power away from the Shah. So again, we, it does connect back to what we were talking about in the Assassin's yeah. podcast, which if you haven't listened, go listen to that. Because at one point we do, near the end of the Shah reign, which is where we lead up to, the Mongolians, people came Come in and... and- take over yeah basically the hammer and this is the hammer um so um at this point once he uh, wrangled absolute power away his vast empire now spanned from the yellow sea in the east all the way to the caspian sea in the west wow um and i do want to mention at this point so like if he's he's maining this front he did have other generals he had like, to going into persia like there's different air like they were attacking expanding oh, on all fronts yeah it wasn't just this was not just the one um Front, right. He wasn't just waging war one at a time. Yeah, he did have other. Uh, again, um, the, the empire also expands more after he died. Right. Um, but at this point, I just wanted that's this is kind of the most uh, power he had at his right. point. So this is at the height of his power. Okay. Right here. So when he captures this, all the way to the Caspian Sea, back sure. to um, that's a lot of people and a lot of land to control. Yeah. For one man. Yeah. Which um, I know you have to have multiple probably hundreds of generals and stuff on all fronts he was a he was a, so this is another thing i read which is really interesting off of kind of what i uh, i've mentioned before he did implement like he always implemented into his subjugation a set of rules and a law book almost of like mm-hmm. reprimanding um things that would be rep- like if anything was broke if something happened basically he wrote out a list of this is what would happen this is what like he always implemented Someone breaks that. this, this is what happens. So, But that's, he that's really how you keep control. Exactly. He consolidated right. systems and, and names and titles. Really, so when he left, it wasn't free reign where the people didn't know how to like govern. They basically were like, here's our rule book. This is how I'm supposed to act upon all these things. From what I read, yes. Yeah. Like he, would o- he would always implement, like he was really the proponent of like... Um, titles like titles of this person's this person like in the community type thing um and it would how i guess if i would assume (laughs) to handle that many people and that amount of land you have to no there's no other way I, i can't imagine another way of uh keeping an empire a hold like once you take over a place those people are still there you're surrounded by people that you've conquered yeah um to keep control can't be easy. They have to. They have to be enforcing their. I say government. Their who they are upon the people still there, even when he leaves. Yeah. So for sure, having that rule book that makes the most sense. That like there's like okay, well th- this is we rule you now, and this is what it, the law says. If you break These, this, yeah. If you do, the, if you steal, whatever. Here's it was, the hierarchy. I don't know what it was, yeah. but there's there was things that he implemented into every. Right. Just basically kind of system. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of nearing the end here, but before returning to the steps, um, Genghis Khan appointed his son Ugade as the heir. Um, he mm. now faced 
the problems, right, like we just talked about, of controlling his vast empire. Yeah. And in the summer of 1226, he rode to, at the head of 180,000 warriors to crush an uprising that was happening. Mm. Um, but before he got to them, he had a mishap and fell from his horse um, and had serious injuries and internal bleeding. Oh, no. So over the coming months, he only got worse. I say, oh, no. <laughs> and on August... <laughs> this guy was a yeah. monster. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> and on August 18th, 1226, at the height of his power, he died. Oh, wow. So... So he did... Yeah, he didn't even die like an old age or like blaze of glory, really. He kind of no. died in an accident. I think he was like around 40s here. Oh. I think he was like 40, 38, 40, something like that. Wow. Um it's a good re- again. I think because his birth date was a little uh, mm-hmm. unknown, so uh, but there's a generally agreed upon year, which is what I said at the front. But right. um, so this is also interesting. These are, I just have interesting notes here when I go over okay. a dot from his life and then um, after his life, kind of what happened, and sure, kind of thing. So on Genghis Khan's order, he was buried in an unmarked grave at an unknown location in Mongolia. Um, in order cons- to conceal the location, it said, this is again, it could be rumor, sure. it said his funeral escort executed everyone in their path. So if someone saw the, his funeral escort coming um, you're dead. with the, the body the or body. whatever they had, however they buried him. So that way no one would dead. know. No one would know. <laughs> wow. So yeah. just like you walk outside, you know, it's oh, beautiful, sunny morning. day. What are these guys doing? Yeah, you grab your Pop. cup of coffee in Mongolia. You're like, man, it's going to be another beautiful day of, you know. <laughs> oh, wait. Who is that on the horizon? Is that Genghis? Is that, is, are they carrying a, is that a body? Is that a body? Arrow. Hey, what, 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 hey, uh, Martha, come here. Is this a body? <laughs> yeah. Who is that? <laughs> yeah. Arrow to, arrow, arrow to the chest. Um, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, that could be rumored, but that was, I was like, what? That? <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, wow. And then I do want to say, so although brought upon by extreme and horrific violence, right? Yeah. Perhaps the only good thing that was, came from this was his connected empire brought peace and stability to the region. Because um, it, it was all infighting in small groups all the time, right? Yeah, and this this was really... Okay, so this is a big thing, too. This allowed the first flow of open trade and ideas between the Eastern and Western worlds. Hmm. So all the way to the Caspian Sea, like I said, um, to, to the Chin Empire, like once Chin Empire before this sure. point, right? Like, they were open to trading and ideas and, like, culture. Like, it was all able to flow right. within this kind of Between system. the region, because right. before it was too small and too scattered. Yeah, and then wise. you're also, like, you're you're in your own little bubble, sure. right? In your own, and then Mongolia was always kind of, like, again, fragmented. And right. They were always putting they power to the united people. people. Yeah. Right. So that was could be one of the only, again, one of the only good things that came from this. Cause, so here's some of the probably horrible things. Yes. Um, of course. The Mongol army conquered hundreds of cities and villages and also killed millions of men, women, and children. Yeah. Um, it has been estimated that approximately 11% of the world's population at the time was killed either during or immediately after the Turco-Mongol invasions. Uh, so up to as many forty as forty million people were killed under his rule. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, and then the, here's another interesting little fact: um, scientists in the Russian Academy of Sciences estimate that he has sixteen million male descendants living yeah. today in Central Asia. Yeah, around eight percent of That's men from heard. Asia are his descendants. Sixteen percent. Yeah, eight percent. Sorry. Oh, That's still the number. Still. having his Y chromosome, right? So like. 
right? It is Y chromosome. Yeah. I think I'm correct. Wait, on no, no, no. Yeah, is it Y? Is it so. Y? I think, I think so. that's the male chromosome. <laughs> Don't quote us. <laughs> um, no, it is. I have it's, it here. Yeah, it is okay. the Y chromosome. God, we should have just went with it. We should have. so smart. I know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty. But basically, because he had multiple wives, right? Oh, yeah. But then he also, um, again, they would have Everywhere children, they children, went. Children, children. Also, when you raid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, these armies were not nice. Yeah, you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. So this Mongol lineage, right, is known for men because the kind of DNA is within the Y chromosome. Just right. um, the reason why I've said the way I uh, posed that. So um, there's also, here's a funny description of Khan, of Genghis. So Khan was tall, had a long beard, and likely sported red hair and green eyes. Mm-hmm. Although he would have looked oriental, this mixing of European and Asian characteristics was quite common in Mongolia at the oh, time. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So good little piece of information yeah, there. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, and then Genghis Khan's birth name was, here we go. This is what I should have said at the front. My bad. Oh, um, Temujin. Um, T-E-M-U-J-I-N. Okay. Which was the name of a powerful warlord um, defeated by his chieftain father. Right. Remember I said he was kind of a prominent figure. Yes. But the reason why they... Yeah, anyway. Okay. Uh, defeated uh, defeated by his chieftain father. Mm. Um, and then here's another one. This is the last one we'll get into. So on the battlefield, Khan's army used cavalry charges, feigned retreats before ambush, pincer assaults, and prisoners as human shields to achieve victory. Um, he also liked to foster discord in enemy countries between before an assault, yeah. so inciting revolution or civil war. Yeah. So again, it was all mind, oh, yeah. mental. That's that's. 3D chess that you're playing, that's the, that's a beyond. I'm going to kill you and win. That's you're you're playing mind games, uh, breaking people apart so they're less united, so they're weaker. Like you're talking real true battle tactics. This man was smart. Yeah, he wasn't. You know what I mean? Like obviously they play him up as a barbarian, but like the, this dude knew what he like. Yeah, he knew how what to, to do, yeah. how to break people up how to make it easier for him, how to win, how to do those things. But the quote I was thinking of that I read about just to circle back mm. was just a funny little thing. Uh, again, I, I'm not directly quoting it. It's okay. But it was more about hyperbole, like... Right? It's hyperbole. Uh, That's the word. It was more about like they built the, the Great Wall of China to keep them out. They did. And you know what they did? They just rode all the way around it. Did they? Yes. Is that what happened? I read... I read I an article, this, but I didn't know that. I read an article it. where it was literally like that simple, and it just explains so much about their mindset of like, okay, you're gonna build this huge ass fucking wall for us. We'll we'll take the time. We'll ride all the way around this sucker. We don't yeah. care. And so <laughs> there was like a little quote again. Uh, it was in one part of the uh, documentary that I saw. So like you've the front seen beginning. some stuff on this. I've seen, I saw a little bit about, like, obviously that his father died of poison. Mm-hmm. I didn't know why he died of poison besides just another tribe. Yeah. I knew overview. Well, I, here's one more interesting thing. This could be the last one, but this is a big yeah. one. So um, there was a rumor and a thing that was written that Genghis Khan um, at one point in one city killed a million seven hundred thousand people in one hour. Right. Um, that was kind of a rumor, wow. not a rumor, but like a, a thing that was spread. We do know it's untrue because it's kind of physically impossible. Yeah. But um, at a quick glance, right, the many lists of supposed death yields a recurring startling attribution. Genghis Khan is said to have once killed, right, which the number I just said. Mm-hmm. Um, while Khan inarguably killed his fair share of people, it's impossible, right? Right. But here's, an, here's, a, here's a reason why there was a, there was a huge massacre at one point. Um, 
So in Shapur, so this is when I think he was doing the Shah, um, right. right, when he was doing that. The Shah thing. attacks. Do you remember how we mentioned at the end of that podcast how at one point, right, they said, oh, we'll take you. And um, they, they took the guy who was the leader, mm-hmm. right, and then killed him on the way, like secretly, basically behind like, yes. walls type thing, and then decimated the city. Yeah. So I think this is what it's referring to. Okay. So Khan's favorite son-in-law, um, I'm not going to say his name right, to Tagudchar was killed by an arrow at this point, at this attack. Right. Um, and was shot by a Nishapurian. Um, and it's not entirely clear whether a revolt broke out after Khan's troops had already overtaken the city. So, like, if that happened after, right, again, right. things got messy. Um, or if the fateful event took place during an initial siege. Mm-hmm. Either way, this proved to be the death warrant for the inhabitants of the city. Uh, yeah. So Khan's daughter was heartbroken at the news of her husband's death. And what and request, do we do? And requested... That every last person be killed. Khan's <laughs> troops, led by his youngest son, Tului, undertook the gruesome task. Women, children, infants, and even dogs and cats were all killed. And worried that some of the inhabitants were wounded but still alive, Khan's daughter allegedly asked that each person be beheaded and their skulls piled in pyramids. And um, ten days later, the pyramids were complete. Wow. Yeah, so so some horrific stuff there. Yeah, and, and no exactly joke. how many died here during the siege is questionable, but it does appear to be a great many, a significant amount. Right, and there's no evidence that Genghis Khan was at the city when this happened either. Right. Um, however, it's unclear why the legends say these events transpired in just one hour. Again, it could just yeah. be to like, you know, he did this horrible thing in this moment. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's horrible. So, um, yeah. I didn't want to leave off on that note, but that was another, it was kind of a side piece I read that I felt right. like was worth mentioning. I didn't realize the massacre that right. was also happened again. He killed so many people. It's horrible. And again, yeah, that's, that's a point I want to point out. Cause like it's, it's, uh, it's a very fascinating story and his life is very fascinating, but I also don't want to like give it, uh, glorify. I don't want to glorify like, he was this like epic person in history because of the things he did. Like He's obviously, he, he was a mur- though. yeah. I mean, like, but the dude murdered millions of people. Yeah, like, uh, and definitely did tactics that got millions of innocent people killed. Yeah, I and mean that many is war. Figures like that throughout history too. Right. I do know that there was a point. I did read this as well. Um, that there was a point where Genghis Khan really couldn't even be mentioned in the, the you know the world mm-hmm. because it was such a you know uh, bad taste type thing yeah and but there's been some recent changes with it again just like controversial figures of how you look at him right um, of course and so it's it's messy but i yeah. just wanted to recount as best as i could the interpretation right. of his life just to give an overview of like a, of a figure that definitely affected history that oh, definitely yeah. Oh, was yeah, a huge yeah. part so well, i just what you're talking to when eight percent of the population over there is related to Genghis Khan you've you've put your mark on history one way or another bad or good changed (laughs) affected um and shifted history and cemented his name right also I have one question then left okay I will see if I can answer it yeah did he really pull people's arms off (laughs) I don't know that's that's the biggest thing i remember as a kid learning about Genghis khan is like pull people's arms that off? like one of the tactics of torturing people is he literally get uh two people on one side and literally just pull your arms off is oh that crazy God. that sounds i'm sure crazy. that's propaganda i'm sure that was like built into like oh dude this guy's horrible you don't want to meet this guy yeah i heard he pulled 
Uncle Joe's arms off last time he met him. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, like I'm horrible. sure it was that. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm interested to know if that there's any truth to that whatsoever. I couldn't tell you. I didn't read anything about that. Yeah. But maybe, I can't imagine again, the, the I, stuff that he did to people. I can't even I imagine. don't doubt it. Yeah. Out of all the stuff, again, out of every many people, there's so many horrific acts. I don't doubt that right. there was probably something like that was yeah. involved at yeah. one point. Did, did or not do yeah. at one point. Whatever. I just find that funny that that's, the, that's something that I remember. Well, you're going to That you learn that, as yeah. a kid. Yeah. Like, how did I learn that as a kid? I don't think I... I just to sidetrack two seconds before we end, I don't think I ever learned about Genghis Khan growing up. I heard the name. I heard... General you didn't overview. associate anything with him? I knew he was a powerful leader. Again, this was my pre, not just pre sure. this. I, I mean, pre maybe teenage years. Yes. Maybe until I got, I wasn't in school when I learned about Genghis Khan. Like, I learned about Genghis Khan, but I didn't learn about maybe what he it, really did. What he really did, the type of reach, mm-hmm. the type of actual events that happened. I had no clue. Yeah. So, um, Interesting. it's, it's uh, in my mind, again, it's just another little like puzzle piece. I'm like, cool. Kind of completed that little name I just uh, filled out for myself. So, right. Yeah. That's today's podcast, Jake. We kind of went long today, but hey. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Also, uh, if you guys, I I really want to know, I mean. We took this off of a if, suggestion, by the way. I yeah. I want to mention that. Yeah, do you, absolutely. Do you remember the guy's Twitter handle? Oh, uh, gosh. Because we could shout that guy out. It was a yeah. guy or was it a girl? It was a guy. Okay. Uh, well, whoever you are who suggested this. Yes. You know who you are. We. I hope you um, enjoyed this. I hope this was filled what some you, information. What you wanted. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I tried to be diligent. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and also, uh, I was just going to ask everybody, again, um, if you follow us on Casual X History on Twitter or Facebook or anything, please let me know. Like, I'm I'm very interested to see, because of that last little comment we just made, I want to know what your preconceived notions of Genghis Khan were. Like, what did you associate Genghis. with him? <laughs> Genghis Khan. You're right. Genghis with a That's G. That's an important point, because it only sounds like you're saying King. Kangas, Kangas. <laughs> it almost sounds like I'm trying to say it with a K. Yeah, a little bit. It's okay. Then. No, uh, Genghis Khan. Yeah, <laughs> Genghis Khan. There you go. You there got you it. go. Um, yeah, like please let me know what your preconceived like things that you attributed to him uh, growing up or just throughout your life. I mean, I'm just interested. Or any more facts that would be interesting to know. Yeah, um, I would. I would love to know like what everybody thought. You know. I yeah. Don't know. Just F- weird. fill out some more information for me. Yeah. Like in my brain. I'm like, oh, let me attach that little fact to that yeah. little thing in my brain. That's All right. I, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. Good Good episode, Jeffrey. <laughs> Thanks, man. We that did was a good lot job. Of, lot of, uh, lot of reading, a lot of It definitely reading, was so. a lot. I remember uh, last week I was trying to think about, I was thinking about tackling that myself, and I just got like, wow, there's so much here. It could have been a two-part, I think. I think it could be a two-part only if we went over, or if I went over like every single life, battle. Well, life after. Oh, sure. The disintegration sure. and his son's rule. And his son even expanded it even farther. He, it was due to his son. I do want to mention that last thing. Yeah. Due to his son that it became the largest conquered territory by one people's yeah. idol of all time. Like yeah. no one's ever come close. He had to He had to follow his uh, father's And it was actually dream. his grandson. His grandson. Oh. His grandson um, took it. I Tibidur. I don't. Yeah, I don't know his I name. Know. I, that's off the top of my head too. Yeah. But his horn. <laughs> anyway, so really interesting yeah. figure. Glad we could go over it. I hope people, you guys, learned something. So. That's right. All right. Well, this has been another Casual History podcast. Signing off, guys. That's we'll right. See you next time. Thanks for listening.